So we've got questions this evening. So I hope this isn't going to be too uh, technical. I, I think I, this is it. I find these questions quite interesting, but um, you know, that just to say, it may not be something that everybody wants to know about. <laughs> I try to try avoid getting too theoretical about it. Um, so don't be intimidated by the Pali. <laughs> so please explain how the pair Vitaka Vichara work together and also Sati Sampajanya and how these pairs are different from one another. So <coughs> I've, I've touched on these words lightly. Um, Vitaka Vichara are <coughs> two the words which apply to the op- operation of um, con- the con- conceiving mind, you know, the ability to actually form, formulate an idea or a thought, yeah. So when you see something, you know, then there's a moment you recognize what it is, you know, you get a flash, and with that comes along the word, you know, like lamp or George or cow or whatever it is. You know. <laughs> so that, that experience of getting it, that's called vitaka, when you actually are able to put a label on something. Hmm? That's called vitaka. And we so... Uh, and so this is something that's going on all the time, yeah. and, and it's the action of bringing it to mind. You know, you, so this thing you see out there is drawn in and placed in internally as a concept. So then, when you've got this concept of lamp or George or cow, whatever it is, then you can mull it over and abstract. So this is, of course, the great human thing. Our ability to 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 hold all these external realities and transfer them to symbolic internal realities through through this process of thought and language. So then you can walk away from the object and think, "Oh, cow! Do cow milk it? Do this, that, the other." So you you can do all kinds of things about this. Um, uh, So this can be a problem, (laughs) as you know. Yeah. You can't stop it. You keep me tucking away even when you're tuckered. <laughs> Tuck it out, it just keeps going. Because there's a certain, this gets to be a, a reflex habit. You're doing it all the time, so it becomes normal to, to overthink. You know. A vichara is the sense of having brought that concept to mind and sustaining it, you know, sustaining it. So you think cow, you think cow, mm. and you think of milk or beef or Frisians or pastures. So you actually get the the concept in your mind, and then you you get a stronger feeling for it, and you add more depth to it, and you evaluate that. Yeah. So, so way, so sometimes it's likened to, vitaka is likened to, to. Um, Maybe to, to striking a bell, and the vichara is the resonance. So it stays. It stays in. It stays there, in mind. Yeah, vichara, and and so when these two go together, yeah, th- then you can bring a concept to mind. Then you can look at that concept, that thought, cow. Mm. You know, and you can evaluate what that means to you. So this is actually 
if you do it carefully and slowly, it's very valuable. You know, you bring something into your mind and think, hmm. No, it's that. Then you, you, it means you hold it there with vichara, because you can get a sense of, is this, how does this mean? Is it useful? Do I want to be with this? Is this valuable? What's, what's, you know, so you're able to kind of ponder it. So vitaka vichara, bringing to mind, pondering, or, or evaluating, or contemplating. Mm. And in, in Thai, they use the word vicharana, which is a Thai often substitute the V for a B. Vicharana means to contemplate, means to reflect or consider. So you, you sort of vicharana something. If you bring it to mind, then you, you linger with it. So this is a, a valuable tool when it's used appropriately. So you can bring up the idea of um, the saying of, of death, for example, and contemplate the meaning and, the, and what comes up with that. Or you can bring up the idea someone you feel concerned for and so on or someone you feel respect for and just keep that there long enough till you really get the feeling of gladness or uplift comes out of that you know so this is actually a, a wonderful possibility but the problem is that we overdo it so you just get tons and tons and tons of stuff coming in and you don't really contemplate you don't ponder because the next thing's popping in and the next thing's popping in so you do lots of vitaka but not much vichara because you 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 can't vichara for very long because the next vitaka's happening (laughs) 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 it's rather like you know eating your food gobbling your food without really chewing it like you put one thing in your mouth and just as you're getting a a bit of the taste of that you throw something else in so you just you don't really get a decent hit of anything, decent fl- taste of anything, because the next thing's coming in. And you think, oh, so you feel unsatisfied if you put something else in, you know. When really you want to take something and chew it slowly and reflect on it. And that, that's a skillful use of vitaka vichara. <coughs> so, uh, and so this is really um, helpful for this um, reflection and recollections, which you know, comes into the broad category of meditation. And sometimes this is the bit that we don't, we don't do, you know, that as we want to go into silence or stillness or something like that, or make the mind calm down, which is indeed a useful thing. But um, it's also very important just to think slowly, to learn to think slowly, (laughs) you know, just take a thought and wait with it. Think slowly, and then you can you can get maximize that that faculty, and it does mean that then you, when you do that, then you begin to see. Well, don't bother thinking about that. If you don't want, if you don't don't want to stay with that thought and chew it over and ponder with it, don't bring it up in the first place. <laughs> So you get more discriminative, like not just eating any old junk food that comes along, whether you're hungry or not, but this is worth thinking of, so I'll think about it. This isn't worth thinking of, so I won't think about it. (laughs) 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 You know, or if you are, if it is coming in, you think, look, just stop and put your mind onto something else, because the mind can't be thinking of two topics at the same time. Though it nearly can, you know. (laughs) You know, it can buzz around so quickly. So just deliberately think about something 
and it takes your mind off of thinking about other things. So in the Buddha himself, that when he was, you know, or, or, yeah, under the Bodhi tree or practicing in Uruvela, then he developed this this skill Vitaka Vichara, and he'd notice when he thought of things that were, uh, you know, uh, con- con- evoked or came from the 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 impulse of of cruelty or aversion or um, sensual uh, desire, then it didn't do him any good. You know, so he evaluated that. Mm-hmm, this doesn't take me anywhere. Mind this. It didn't do anybody else any good either. You know, so so you can really contemplate that and getting that point, then what happens when I direct my mind to thinking of in place in terms of <coughs> kindness and non-violence and harmlessness and letting go, renunciation, simplicity, you know, rather than the sort of things that excite. So oh, this does make me feel good. It makes my mind calm and steady and it's for other people's welfare too because I'm a much more um, amenable person <laughs> when I like that. So I'll do this. And he said, practicing like that, then, uh, you know, in this wonderful sutta, the the uh, twofold thought it's called, in the Majjhima Nikaya, he starts off doing that, and by the end of the sutta he's arrived at Nibbana, you know, so, of course, it's always like that, you know, and you're going, ah, you're still going to have a paragraph one. <laughs> because he then started to contemplate uh, uh, you know, deeply and reflect deeply. And that does both unify the mind because you're not scattering over every different thing, you know, which you can do if you don't hold and govern your mind properly. Your mind scatters out and you realize it's more or less infinite. You know, what your mind can think about is more or less infinite. You know, you could think about the rocks on the moon, you could think about Beethoven's hair, you could think about, (laughs) you know, (laughs) how to gerbil, what gerbils do in the wintertime, you know, any old thing. (laughs) I mean, it's just more or less infinite. This This is, you know, it's a powerful system. So you think, just, you know, let's get that, harness that thing, you know, because you, it's, so you're just deciding, determining to reflect and consider on certain themes, and, you know, bring it into the body, and then realizing just the, the steadier that thought process gets, the better you feel, you know. And it says, even this itself, it tires you out thinking. So, because he began to evaluate the very process of thinking itself, you know, even skillful thinking, you've got to keep doing it. And he said that that itself is tiring, so why not just learn to relax the thought altogether and stop thinking? So this is a careful process, but you have to, um, you know, you can't start from, you know, really distracted, worried, discursive thought and just go to stillness. You know, you actually have to, you know, harness it, rein it in, steady it, slow it down, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, you know. So conventionally speaking, 
often, you know, when we practice anapanasati, you know, which, um, you know, is, is never a lost cause, though it's for some of you it might <laughs> seem to be at times, uh, just bringing to mind one breath and just, am I breathing? Yes, I am breathing. How do I know I'm breathing? So you ask a question and you feel, oh, there's this sensation. So you linger with that. And then can I just do one breath and read the breath? Read what's happening. That's all. And it doesn't have to be a whole essay. It just can be two words, you know, one word. And just read it, listen to it, read it. And if we like soft, smooth, or even just very little concept at all, but just the fact that you're holding your mind on it. Uh, I think the, um, you know, the skill of this is to just do it within your means, because the situation I often find people who are experiencing when I teach retreats is they're just actually frazzled. And, uh, you know, the idea of uh, just the effort to you know, put your mind onto something itself, the mind just keeps slipping off on into its habitual processes. It's always easier to follow a habit than to carve a new track. <laughs> you know? <coughs> so, so, you know, just doing it for periods of time, like building up a muscle. Periods of time, and then just start to see the results of that. And then, gentle the mind, soften the mind, do a number of things, you know, to to overall quiet, calm, quieten, make it something you can easily bear in mind, bring to mind. It's through breathing through subtle, just the sense of, you know, body, how do I know I have an arm, chest, legs, bones, and just, you know, and then slow down, really slow down. <coughs> the the, 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 why it's important to train Vitaka and Vichara is that what you think about repeatedly becomes the, becomes the track, becomes the groove down which your mind will run. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have mentioned things like gerbils in the winter time. If that becomes an obsession for you, <laughs> shouldn't have brought that one in. But it's probably less than what you're already carrying, you know. <laughs> so, you know, because you keep thinking about it, then then that's what's going to pop up. It's like that's the one that runs out of the stable. So that's the horse you're going to ride. So, the th- so this is why you think, make sure you've got a good one. And, but of course, you know, we, people often find themselves in situations where, you know, their minds are either feel they're obliged to think about some things a lot of the time or or the mind is actually directed by (coughs) worry or doubt or ill will or craving so that you think about things from that place Hmm. but as soon as you can can understand you know that you're thinking about something that's not doing you any good then really give yourself a break and think about something that does gladden, calm, reassure, steady you. You know, just d- 
do that, and, and, and so that you don't get into this, just this deep in these ruts of, of obsessive thought. You can go either way, you see. You can either support, uh, uh, um, it can be very supportive for samadhi. It's actually, these two are considered essential factors for developing, for the, for the arrival of samadhi, because you've actually deepened your attention around a certain theme. But if they go wrong, they can be factors for deepening the hindrances. <laughs> and... Uh, the, the the rub is that you don't have a lot of choice because you can't not have Vitaka Vichara. It's going to be doing something, either for your welfare or not. <laughs> so, uh, you know, even if you, you can't uh, meditate very well, then do try to think slowly and conscious and decisively decide what to think about think about things that ge- generate some something skillful and that will certainly help to to take you out of the hindrance territory and then you'll be able to calm and you know you, you you'll have that faculty be much more useful for you to you can then once you've started to train it then you can start to guide it towards your meditation object that's how they work together. So Vitaka flashes and the Vichara sustains, rather like a cigarette light, you know, sparking. And then, then the, the you actually catch thing and you get a little flame. That's the Vichara. Mindfulness, the, uh, Sati Sampajanya. Sati mindfulness, or mostly op- translated as mindfulness. Sampajanya goes through a number of translations, but <coughs> the word Anya. Anya generally means uh, knowing. Um, well, receptive knowing. It's not not an intellectual action. It's more like gnosis. It's a sense of realizing that kind of knowing where it dawns upon you, or you, you're really with something. You're fully tuning into it. And sampa just is emphatic. It's an emphatic. These are emphatic uh, prefix, so it means thoroughly, completely knowing, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's not knowing in the intellectual sense. It's, it's knowing meaning apprehending or comprehending or being present with or tuning into or receiving, that kind of knowing, you know. You know. So it's more like knowing through the, the, the um, sensitivity. Mm. Now, Vitaka Vichara... Um, support sati sampajanya vitaka bringing to mind supports mindfulness because you see uh, the mindfulness is bearing something in mind so you know if you to bring it you have to bear it in mind you have to bring it to mind first of all so it's that decision to say watch the, follow the breath or contemplate the body so that's the vitaka you bring that to mind and then then as you bear it in mind means that you keep bringing it to mind till it sticks. Then, then, the, then the 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 sense of it staying is is mindfulness. You're able to sustain that, mm. and it starts to kind of weaken. So you bring it to mind again. So you keep kind of pop uh, topping it up. So that continual process of vitaka 
doesn't mean you know sometimes it means you you know you, it's there and then it starts to falter after a few minutes you pick it up again yeah. um, <coughs> so so that supports bearing in mind and vichara supports sampajanya in that vichara is the, the the pondering or the contemplating so when you sampajanya is 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 the, of that nature that as you you stay with something, you tune into it, and you really get a feeling for what it's about. Mm. You get a feeling for it. And you've certain things, Sampajanya um, tells you is something like that the something is changing. It's a changing process. Um, it's skillful, it's unskillful. It's conducive to distress or conducive to joy. It teaches about cause and effect, really. You know, it tells you the tissue, you know. So, if you, it's very important because, you know, some things seem quite nice at the beginning, but when you, when you stay with it long enough, you're thinking, mm, no, it wasn't so good after all. <laughs> this is why it's important to develop these faculties because uh, lots of things are sugar coated, aren't they? You know, and you take it, take it, and then. You, you know, it wasn't so nice, you know. But, uh, you know, you, we see that people are, because of the speedy nature of, uh, of people's lives, often people are just not really having the time to deeply reflect and ponder and contemplate either what they're buying or what they're doing or what they're watching or what they're reading or what they're giving attention to, you know. So you... You, you know, the, these two really help to guard the mind because you have to worry things. No, I've been you know, reading this newspaper every day, it just makes me feel depressed. It costs one pound twenty. What a pay for depression, you know. <laughs> 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 and, you know, it's, it's not doing me, it doesn't do anything for me, you know, and it's often just filling your head with football results and cooking stuff and some columnist babble about their opinions about somebody or the other <laughs> you just contemplate the effect of it and you feel kind of agitated and oh, no, no, enough of that I won't do that you know <laughs> so th- just in daily life these are these are really important things to to keep your garden keep your mental garden free from weeds and keep it clean and then if you develop that, then it naturally it tends to shape up the directions your mind is going in and the kind of concerns your mind has. And also oh, your, your, own, your own depth in your mind is not, it's not light. It's not, it's, it doesn't just skid around. It's got some depth. You take something and you give it some, some, you know, some, some consideration. So it's le- less jittery and reactive. And this is very helpful for for your thinking, and then because so often what we think is what we say, and then once you've said it, you you know somebody else has got a load of it, uh, and you've got to tidy it up afterwards. Because <laughs> vitaka vichara are, are very much associated with the speech faculty. Yeah. So this is another source of uh, 
you know, to be aware of. What you think about is what you, is kind of eventually you're going to say it. (laughs) 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 Which is kind of chilling thought, isn't it? (laughs) 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 Maybe tied it up a bit, but you know, your opinions, your views, your preoccupations, you you know, they're going to mould what you say. But of course, it could be for the good if you if you take it seriously, then you say words <coughs> that are worth hearing, beautiful, tr- worthy of storing up, skillful, conducive to harmony. And the Buddha said, "This right speech is in, is a real treasure. You know, it's worth travelling away to hear right speech because it's it's the way we can communicate wisdom and compassion and wonderful things." But uh, wrong speech and uh, wrong thinking is now very, very easy to communicate. You know, you just pop it on an email and, you know, that could be all over the world, like in <laughs> that... Yovitaka <laughs> Vichara has just gone global. So it's good to develop restraint, isn't it? So I, you know, I have a kind of little e- email discipline myself. Is that when I get an email, don't reply immediately. Because <laughs> it's so easy, you get this thing, flash. <laughs> so just leave it, you know, you heard it, now wait till tomorrow, you know, get back tomorrow, you know, or something like that, give it a little bit of time. <laughs> To make sure that you're coming from the right place, yeah. <laughs> uh, that you, you've actually checked whether, you, whether it's touching off some hindrance or whether you're really speaking from a measured, reflective place. And uh, so the Buddha said, you know, if you can't do this, it's best to just be silent, because you can do so much, you know, harm, damage for yourself and others that. Skillfully used and it, it strengthens Sati Sampajanya so you're able to to really um, sustain and, and, and deepen your experience of, of, a, of a meditation theme. So this is how it builds up what's called samadhi, you know, in that something like um, breath for example, which really is breath, what's the thing about that? It's nothing. Breathing in, breathing out, I've done it finished <laughs> but when you really go into it then the the, the bearing in mind so there's all kinds of little fluctuations and energies rippling along with that one breath isn't the same as another one so actually what would you describe it as you know if somebody was to say just give me a real map of one of, of an exhalation what what do you, what actually happens for you you know well as a kind of pressure uh, and then there's a sort of swelling feeling, and there's a sort of rushing, and there's a slight glowing, and then there's a, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, if we didn't, weren't asked that, we probably wouldn't bring up the information, but you realize, yeah, that I never thought of that, but actually that's the way it is. Uh, but we didn't bother to think about it, because you don't have to think about it, it happens by itself. But just imagine you had to describe a full-out 
breath and how you know that it's completed. So, well, it, it's it sort of starts off and then there's a sort of sense of movement and a rushing feeling and there's a slight pressure and then there's a releasing of that and a sort of, um, you know, kind of subtle glow and then uh, and then it slows down and there's a sense of everything stopping, coming to an end. Yeah. And pause. So, and then the more you you focus uh, on that, then the quality of calm that arises then also becomes integrated with the the breath itself, the breathing itself. So the breathing itself changes because the mind that's reading it is changing. So suddenly your mind becomes much more sensitive and you sense even subtler qualities in that. Tingles and, you know, and then the mind can start. So it, it does change and, and, it, and you get more and more in embedded into it, it becomes uh, samadhi. Um, you know, in, in that your mind gets bedded into it, energetically. It's like the thinking, the act of thinking, and the quality of the, uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the energy in the breath start to melt, merge together. And you get this sense of what's called um, uni- unification. <coughs> but you know, don't worry about that. But that's so. That's you know. That's when it's it's fully on track, and it doesn't. You know, don't kind of start trying to do that. But just <laughs> you know, expecting it. Just see if you can be a bit more full on with your meditation object. You know, don't just get passive about it. It's 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 natural that that when you come to retreat, you're often pretty tired and and you know quite frayed. But then, if you, as you get more rested, try to to get a little more proactive with the meditation in a skillful way, not a frantic way, but a kind of sense of you know like aligning and staying with it and steadying your attention <laughs> around one or two themes, you know, or chosen themes that work for you. And just keep steadying yourself with it. You get you won't re- you'll get good results. You know, you'll certainly you get a sense of the mind steadying. And vichara helps you to un- to consider also to reflect upon the way that you meditate. You see, so vichara is evaluating you. You're able to witness the results. So you think, oh, this is not working for me at all, you know. Uh, what's going on? And you think, you start to see, well, uh, you know, maybe I'm not sitting very well, or perhaps, um, you know, I've got other things on my mind that I need to, uh, to put some attention onto. You know, there's only so many times you can keep pushing something away. Maybe I need to think carefully about a preoccupation, or maybe I'm just too impatient, you know. So you start to see why... What's what? What are the shortcomings in this? Where where's the faults in the meditation theme? In how you're handling it? Yeah. Yeah. So and then you can use this faculty for inquiring, which is the faculty called Dhamma Vijaya, means you 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 inquire. So you begin to notice with a particular. 
um, say a thought pattern or a way of perceiving someone, you know, you've got somebody in your mind, let's have a look at that. I always see him as this, you know. Where does that come from? I always see him as threatening, you know. People see me as threatening, you know. Okay. Where's the threatening bit? Do you growl? No. You know, maybe it's something about the the mannerisms, or or maybe it's something about the way I see, you know, people in authority or things like that. So you're able to just contemplate and and reflect upon, you know, how you perceive people or where your own your own. Then you get a, a reading on the kind of uh, things where you get triggered and reactive. Yeah. So it's uh, useful for both for calm and also for inquiry and this together is how there's a second question which is um, allied to this how these faculties used to gain insight into anatta Mm. well (coughs) just like that (laughs) that is uh, yeah Recognize that really the, the main aim is to stop dukkha, suffering. And anatta is a kind of, uh, uh, means non-self. And it, 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 it's there because there's a strong correlation between identifying with something and stress and suffering. That's why it's an important piece. Mm. But it's not... You see, it's not a philosophical statement like um, there is no self. It's a a recognition that the habit of identifying with things causes a certain, it sets you up, sets up the mind for suffering, sets up the mind for stressing. Because when we identify with something, there's a holding and a tenacity and an effort to hold and control something and eventually it breaks away, and then there's a sense of loss. So there's a strain in holding it, there's a need to keep with it, and then there's a sense of it losing it, you know. So for example, you, your own body, you identify with the body, there's a lot of um, trying to hold it together, make it you know, look good or feel good or whatever, uh, and, and then the thing goes and gets old on you and falls apart, you know. And sick and stuff like that. So, or you get self-conscious or vain or worried about your looks or this kind of thing happens. So, you know. So, if it, but if it didn't cause you any suffering, then you call it what you like, self, or you can, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's the habit of identifying is uh, a, a kind of a. Um, source of stress also because we tend to identify with things that aren't really that good you know (laughs) you know if I don't identify with anything I think I'd identify with luminous space (laughs) better than a a beat bag (laughs) which is always uncomfortable 
So the these faculties of vitaka vichara and satisambhajana are useful for for reflecting on on the the act of identifying. So because you, you can bear something in mind. So okay, you know this thing that seems to be me, right? Um, and you know there are certain checks you could say if it's me then I'll make it any way I want it to be. Whereas you can't do that. So it's the ability to control it is not not there. So I want feeling I want to feel I want to feel continual pleasure. You can't do it. So the feeling faculty is not under your control. It happens to you. You don't have it. It's not yours. <laughs> yeah. Um you know the physical form you could say well i think i'd like a physical form that's kind of durable made of teflon um you know waterproof centrally heated and uh you know doesn't need maintenance sorry don't have any of those so you get you get this thing you know um which is not bad but um you know it's going to get diseased and cause you pain so we said it's not under my control. That's one way of, of reflecting on anatta. Uh, secondly, it's also um, the fact that you can witness something means that it can't be self because you'd have two selves. Wouldn't you? You'd have a self that's the object that you're witnessing and the self that's looking at it. So you'd have two selves, right? And you probably have a third self, which would be understanding this thing, and so on. So you get this kind of infinite increase of self. So you'd be kind of multi-schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> so that that doesn't really work either. And um, also, if it was self, it'd have to be just just that and nothing else. In other words, it would, it would have nothing except its own essence you see so for example if it's, it's a clock it's o- everything about it is clockish but there's nothing else in it but there's a clock you know um, but you know it would just be of that one nature but you can recognize well actually you know if you took if you took one of those figures off the dial you'd still call it a clock and if you took a hand off it, you'd still call it a clock. Uh, and if it didn't work, you'd still call it a clock. So where's the clock? You know, somebody gives you a lump of plastic with no hands on it, no figures on it, it doesn't work. You say, that's a clock. You say, <laughs> it's not, it's a lump of old plastic. <laughs> so you could take a body and say, okay, this is myself. So you cut a fingernail off. What happens? Are you less of a self now? No, you trim the hair, the hair's gone. You still s- so you can see that you can lose all kinds of bits of it, uh, and yet the sense of self doesn't is not um, contingent with the body because the body changes. So you can't say that the the body is self because the sense of self operates independently from the changes that the body goes through. So it doesn't work either. It's also you know you can you can lose bits of the body. You can tack bits onto it. So with your mind, if your mental processes were, your, were yourself, 
then you could determine what it was going to be uh, but in fact it gets invaded by all kinds of things that are not its own such as other people's thoughts senses emotions so this sense of it, it being not con- not coherent not a continuing form you know it's always changing and um but the sense of self hovers over these experiences these natural forms such as thinking emotions physical form but you still keep applying these tests and pondering and contemplating you seeing no this is going to go away this is going to leave me the ability to think is going to break down it wasn't there when i was two days old you know so it will change it's going to go so it's not mine and i tend i think in accordance with the kind of stuff that's put into my mind you know so so you get a sense of you know when you're listening to this thinking process going on you realize how out of control it is and how um kind of you know it's not doing what you want it to do it's just it's just like somebody just switched a radio on you know and, and is changing the channels so so that you contemplate like that and the result is a certain sense of you know dispassion now that doesn't mean irresponsible because you realize even though it it's not self still there it is and it can cause you suffering <laughs> and it can it can be a source of skillfulness so we we have a sense of custodianship you know for for body mind um you know feelings and so on so the sense of self means that it, is, it operates in two ways you're saying either this is mine or i am other than this you know so you say well I am not a thought, I am something other than a thought, which makes you irresponsible. But, you know, but you're not saying I'm something other than thought, nor are you saying I am a thought. You're just saying there is thinking, it's unskillful, (laughs) it's causing suffering, we need to do something about it. So the, the, the habit of identifying is a kind of rather lazy habit, you know, of compulsion that um, is a more skillful way of responding to experiences than identifying with them. <laughs> yeah. So it's not an entity that you're trying to, 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 to get rid of, it's an activity that you're trying to realize is just clumsy and habitual and unskillful. There are, there are better ways of, of acting than identifying bring bring better results how do we avoid making the mistake of confusing presence the sense of coherence with the illusory self the one that doesn't exist but feels like it does how do we avoid confusing presence the sense of coherence with the illusory self the one that doesn't exist, but feels like it does. 
Are you sure it doesn't exist? <laughs> well, I think it, so. The presence, uh, you know, this uh, say the say the the baseline or the 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 basis of of chitta of mind is just that, which is not about organizing information, nor is it about um, responding to to what happens, which is more a heart sense. It's just about that kind of fundamental receptivity, which goes, oh, uh-huh, mm. you know. And what it does is it, it, it kind of receives and um, <coughs> integrates experience, you know. But what, what, it, what it does, in fact, is, is establish the experience, this is happening to me. So presence, although it's a tremendously useful for for stability and for coming out of the overreactive and over excited or or dis diseased um, mental and emotional functions, gives you a sort of ground because it's not really about organizing or reacting; it's just about receiving. Still, it carries this. Um, <coughs> This view, you might say, a view, the view, this is what I am, this is me, this is mine. This is really, um, you know, the, the core of it. That's why you have to investigate presence, because so there is this experience of a kind of a witness or a watchful or or an awareness, and um, as as our minds and hearts and thoughts start to sort of calm down or become more steady and reliable and useful, then you get down to the real business, which is liberating awareness from the view of self. (coughs) Now, what this means is that your presence tends to keep leaning on something, you know, Uh, tends to keep adopting things, you know, so you, know, you feel, oh, I feel nice and steady. So it adopts steadiness, or I feel kind of uh, confidence. So it adopts confidence, <laughs> you know. So it's always so it makes something me out of it. So it's oh, you know, I'm really good shape today. I'm confident, steady, or, or um, you know, it makes an identity out of it. And it's always uh, the habit is to keep giving presence to away we keep giving it to um you know thoughts and feelings and so forth trying to make them continuous trying to become them trying to make them into solid ground mm. so when you start to see you know, you, you actually contemplate or you stay but get more stable you can see that There's awareness, and then whatever it's aware of, it starts to adopt it or reject it. Yeah. So there's that that you know, uh, kind of inclination, and you know, insight practice is about becoming more and more dispassionate to whatever gets adopted. That's how it works. 
you see that whatever it adopts, happiness, unhappiness, confidence, calm, stability, is just <laughs> another another thing, you know. So this is uh, one of these little interviews that you sometimes read in the in the scriptures um, between these great practitioners, and this one is between the and Sariputta, who was the Buddhist chief disciple, and Anuruddha, who was a very advanced practitioner, who had this thing called the divine eye, which means he could see all these devatas and gods and the 10,000-fold world system, because he's kind of this psychic vision. So he was, he was, I think he was quite a little bit pleased with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So this kind of party trick, he could tell you what was happening up in this heavenly realm or something like that. So he's kind of a little bit, you know. <laughs> so he is. Uh, he was meditating, and Sariputta came along, and Anuruddha said, "You know, with my divine eye, I could see the ten thousand fold world system, and then, uh, uh, you know, with my my mindfulness is really shake, unshakable, and and uh, steady and." Forgotten one other thing he had, uh, and Sariputta says, "Well, this stuff about your ten thousand fold world system—that's just conceit, isn't it? And the bit about your mindfulness being <coughs> is just agitation. Um, it's best if you give up these things and focus instead on on non-clinging." <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of just pops <laughs> his bubble. You know, so these aren't you know non clinging isn't a thing. It's not a particular state of mind. It's not a particular energy. It's not a particular quality of brightness or samadhi or luminosity. So you see samadhi itself, which can give is very you know if you, if it happens, very impressive and pleasant experience because you feel really steady and grounded and peaceful and so forth. So it's, it's a place where you can get a lot of conceit around and a lot of views about you are this and you're beyond that and you've made it and now you're one of these kind of thing um so that's that's the drawback of it so um but you really you know getting getting peaceful getting steady is very very helpful for your own well-being but it's it's also something you use when you're right just to uh recognize that you're not finally aiming to be peaceful or calm or steady or bright or luminous or radiant or suffusive or whatever you know when you can do this then it's a time to get beyond it which means you start to look at the the habit of identifying the habit of clinging the habit of favoring the habit of of wanting to have more of it you know Wanting to be get even more of it for longer, <laughs> you know these these are the signs of 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 clinging. You feed clinging means feeding on it. The word clinging upadana is also uh, associated with fire feeding on wood. It's upadana. It clings. It it burns it. It eats it up. See, so it's actually like something wanting to to. Um, adopt and feed upon 
a happy state or, or a pleasant state or an impressive state. So, you know, <coughs> when your mind gets more subtle, you can sense that and start, you know, relinquishment is, is really the, the Nibbana is really about relinquishment. You know, dispassion, not self, realizing the s- subtle forms of stress that occur with attachment, and finally having the the ability to relinquish. Because uh, unless you, you know, it, it takes, you know, you have to get the the kind of ability to do that. And calm states are good. Because, um, you know, it means you have relinquished a lot of other things. And you're getting to feel sort of steady enough to be able to relinquish. Okay, I could just, you know, it doesn't mean get rid of it. It means don't, don't favor it, don't attach to it, don't get proud about it. So you know the the deathless, or is is really the end. The the reflex of clinging doesn't is not operating. So there can be this sense of presence, there can be thinking, there can be, you know, whatever. But there isn't that reflex of clinging to it, of feeding upon it, of tempering, of uh, being fascinated by it or repelled by it. This is where it, that non-clinging is traceless. It's not a state. It's a, it's a, it means you're not. It's just a, an activity that isn't happening anymore. So, and 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 actually, you know, that's something that that um, you know we we once you really get confidence in that, then that's something you can work with in daily life, the non-clinging, the not holding on, the not identifying, you know, with your space or your time or your opinions or your all these kinds of things. You know, with attitudes towards other people which we have and you know, and then oh, not true. It's not as, not as far off as we might think. We when you know we talk about you know these very refined states. It's a, it seems non-clinging seems a long way off, but actually non-clinging is something that you can you can work with all the time. And uh, the rough path, you know, which perforce one finds oneself walking because you haven't got it together to do the smooth one. Is these moments when you know you 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 really have get attached to something and then it gets taken away from you. <laughs> you get that kind of lurch, <laughs> and you realize, oh, okay. And strangely enough, uh, it, it, you know, I, I've kind of got used to this sort of experience. Um, um, uh, actually, something sort of like a kind of cold shower, something. You know, you get a moment of actually really getting it, <laughs> non-clinging, before you get sticky about something else. <laughs> but you get it, and, and it's interesting to to recognise that that sometimes the, the suffering is is a certain grace to it. You might because it 
it can it can want to keep throwing you back to presence. You know, you you've got to come back to just being here because all your the the you know things get taken away from you. Uh, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. And I can find my mind can form a very clear opinion about a person or a thing or a perception and then you, you kind of recognize by the end of the day no it's not true <laughs> you know you see them in another context another light and it's suddenly oh well she's not like that or he's not like that it's just and yet that was so true when it was there it was so crystal clear so convincing and it's not you see you know, I get the almost the feeling that the more convinced I am, the more it, the conviction is just a result of my clinging. <laughs> you know, conviction is clinging. As, as Ajahn Chah said, you know, the, you, you know, when she started to get a hold on liberation, you're not you're not certain. And then when you get deeper into it, you're even less certain. And when you've really fulfilled it. You're absolutely uncertain <laughs> because perception you don't believe in it you know feelings you don't believe in them uh, you know you realize it's just another thing that you can get revved up on and convinced about but actually you know switch change and oh it's not true you know These are these called the khandas or the aggregates. Perception is one of the perceptions of the meanings and inferences we create about things, with, you know, obviously about people. And uh, they're always partial truths that tell us something about the bits that stick to us. You know, I see this and this and this in him, and then if that's who he is. Somebody else sees that and that and that. You know. And actually, you just don't know. What you need, of course, what one needs to know is whatever, whoever, what am I doing with my mind? You know, (laughs) am I coming from ill will or jealousy or spite or, or am I coming from a place of, you know, that's really worthy? And that's all all you can finally no, and that's really the best thing to know because that's going to good results. Mm-hmm. So that's enough for this evening. Thank you.